Uh, good afternoon and welcome once again to our Bible study. Today we'll be covering Matthew 25 verses 14 through 30. And the title of today's lesson is the parable of the bags of gold. And what we're going to see in today's lesson is that there's this master or Lord or man, some of your Bibles are going to say. He's leaving to go on a trip. So he leaves his assets, not all of his assets, but the majority of his assets to three of his servants. And we're going to see based upon the ability, based upon their own ability, depends on how many talents, talents in this case would be money, how much bags of gold or bags of talent he leaves them. But all is fair across the board according to their own ability, according to their own gift. And what he expects these men to do is take that them assets that he gives them and to invest, to make him a profit, to make him money in this case, right? In this case, in this parable, in this story, is to make this master money. But it's a parable that Jesus is trying to teach us here. It's a story that each of us has a gift and a talent that he puts on the inside of each and every one of us that we can take that talent and we can take that gift that we can invest in the kingdom of God, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what we were made for. That's what we were born for. That's what we were put on this earth for. We were uniquely made in the image of God. God knew you in the womb. He knit you in your mother's womb. That's what the Bible says. So he put inside of you gifts and talents and abilities. And he wants us to use those talents to be a betterment for the kingdom of heaven. Because Jesus doesn't want anybody's soul to be lost. He wants everybody to be saved. But in order for people to be saved and people to come to God and come to Jesus to know Jesus and to know the kingdom of heaven, we have disciples here on earth. Just like the 12 appointed disciples. Now there was many more disciples, but Jesus appointed specifically 12. And he gave them instructions on what to do. Well, he's given his he's given us these instructions also. Right? And we know about the 12, right? The, the, the 12 that he handpicked. But there was 72, the Bible also says, uh, disciples that followed him, right? That spread the word of the kingdom of God. That spread the word of Jesus. And they did that based upon their talent. Based upon their gift. Based upon their calling. See, each of us has a gift and a talent that we can use to call people and to show people about Jesus and Jesus' love and the kingdom of heaven. So that's what the story, that's what this parable is today. It's investing into the gifts and talents that Jesus gives us and taking those talents and investing in that to better the kingdom of heaven. So that being said, open up your Bibles to Matthew 25, starting with verse 14. And this is what verse 14 says. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Verse 15 says this, To one he gave five bags of gold. Some of your Bibles might say talents. To another he gave two. And yet to another he gave one, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold 
went at once and put the money to work. And he gained five more bags. So also the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off and he dug a hole in the ground. And he hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled the accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you've been trusting me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. But the man who had received one bag of gold came to him and said, Master, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even with what they will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into darkness. Where there will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. So let's go back to verse 14. And let's decipher this line by line, text by text. And see what Jesus is telling us here. Go well, back to verse 14, it says this. Again, it was like a young man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth. So we see here that this man, some of your Bibles might say owner, Lord, master. It means the same thing. This represents Jesus here, right? Whether or not it says Lord, master, owner, right? This represents Jesus. So we see in this parable that this man He's leaving to go on a journey. And he gives some of his assets, right? This means possessions. His means his goods, his resources, right? Now, probably he didn't leave all of his assets, but a good percentage to three of his servants. Verse 15. The one, he gave five bags of gold or talents. To another he gave two, and yet to another he, he gave one. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So we see here that he gave the first servant five bags of gold or talents. He gave another servant two talents or two bags of gold. And yet he gave the third servant only one bag. But this is what it says. Now, what is a talent, you say? 
A talent in this case means a weight, right? See, in a biblical language, a talent is a measurement. It's how much something weighs. And obviously, if we're talking about gold or silver, right? See, gold weighs more than silver. In other words, one weighs more than the other. In other words, gold is more valuable than silver. That's why it weighs more. But it's still worth something, right? So we can say that a talent in this parable is simply a measurement, right? So what he does, he gives five of these measurements to one, two to another, and one yet to the last servant. And look what happens, he says. He does this each according to his ability. That's what the Bible tells us. So according to each of their skill, he gave them what he assumed was fair, right? So the one who had five talents, we can say had more ability than the one that had two talents and obviously the one that had one talent. Then he leaves to go on his journey, the Bible says. So he goes away on the trip. So he leaves his assets, he leaves his possessions, right, to three of his servants. So what is happening here? The message is this. This is what's happening. The master divided the money among his servants based upon their abilities. And the one who, who received more had more ability than the one that received less. However, he divided this up according to their own ability. In other words, in other words if, if that servant failed in the master's assignment, so to speak, right? In other words, his excuse couldn't be because he was overwhelmed. That's what we see here. Because he gives it according to your own ability, your own gift. In other words, it's not too much for you. It's just perfect. Because that's how God made you. God made you in his own image. It's perfect. We each are unique individuals. There's nobody else like you. You are one. You are unique. You are the apple of God's eye. That's what the Bible says, right? So, so if you fail in your assignment, right? You have no excuse because it was too much for you. In other words, if you fail to tell people about heaven, God, Jesus, if you fail to be uplifting and encouraging, if you fail to allow the Spirit to work in you and through you to lead people into the kingdom of God, then it's because you was either lazy or you was disobedient to the Father. In this case, you, you was disobedient to the Master. You had hatred to the master, right? So we can see here that the money represents a measurement or any kind of resource that we were given, right? And God gives us time. He gives us abilities. He gives us gifts, talents, and he expects us to take what he gives us and invest wisely into his kingdom until he returns, right? See, we're all responsible to use what God's given us, right? And the issue isn't how much we have. It should never be about how much we have. But what do we do with what he's given us? What do we do with what we have, right? That's how we should approach life. That's how we should approach every day. Verse 16, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and he put his money to work and he gained five more bags, right? So we see here that he utilized the resources to make more. Right? In other words, he invested, we can say, right? And because he invested, he made more. He doubled it, right? So this man starts off with five, but at the end ends up with ten. So he doubled his money. So we can say that this servant did very, very well. Verse 17. 
So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. So we see here that this servant is the same as the first. Although the first had five talents he started with. This one only has two. But, but look what this one does. He does exactly like the first one. He uses what, what, the, what the master gave him. And he doubled. In other words, he made profit for the master. And the, the message is here is that Jesus wants us to be profitable to him. See, some of us might have a certain gift. You know, my gift to give back to the kingdom of heaven is preaching, is teaching the Bible, right? And I never knew I had that gift, right? But when you search the Holy Spirit and you seek the Holy Spirit and you become intimate with the Holy Spirit, the third, right, the third part of the trinity so to speak right there's the father there's the son and there's the holy ghost the holy spirit when you allow the holy spirit to dwell in you and you invite him into your heart and you tell him jesus holy spirit i can't do today without you what do you want me to do today for you what is your will for me right the closer you are to him the more intimate of a relationship you have the more he leads you the more he reveals to you right i had a person ask me one time how do you know what the holy spirit wants how do i know my talent how do i know my ability you need to seek that through the spirit right and the spirit will reveal it to you what he wants you to do for his kingdom right some of you might be you know just encouraging uplifting people right some of you might want to serve in a certain area maybe of your church or maybe of of, of your congregation that you you, you know, maybe a, a Bible study group, you know, I mean, maybe you want to serve the community in some way. There's a gift that the Lord put inside of you that you can contribute back to the kingdom of heaven. That's what I'm trying to say here. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach us in this parable, that there is something on the inside of you that you have a gift and a talent that he gave you. And he wants you to use that to better his king, his kingdom, because when it's all said and done. He expects a profit. He expects success. He wants you to be successful. Not for you. Not for your own good. Because in the end, what's going to happen if you are successful? All the glory and all the praise and all the honor goes to who? God the Father. It goes to Yeshua. It goes to Jesus, right? And that's what we're going to do in the eternal kingdom of heaven. We're going to live and reign and rule with Messiah, with Jesus. We're going to worship our Father. We're going to honor our Father, right? But we're not only going to do that in heaven, but we're going to do that here on earth. Because we have to do that here on earth because He's gave, given us a gift and a talent to use here to the betterment of His kingdom to get to the kingdom of heaven. Amen? So we see here in verse 17 again, this one had only two bags of gold, but he only he took those two bags that he had. He didn't complain about it. He didn't say the first one had five and I have two. That's not fair. Nope. He took whatever the master gave him and he went to work with it. And when it was all said and done, he doubled what the master gave him. My question to you is this. What are you doing for the kingdom of heaven today? What type of gift and talent do you have that you're going to take that gift and talent, you're going to put it to use, and you're going to have a profit at the end of the day? In other words, you're going you're gonna to be successful for Jesus. You're going to be profitable to our master, right? Verse 18. 
But the man who had received one bag, he went off. He dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. So we see here this servant hides the talent. He hides the gold or silver, right? He, he doesn't do anything with it. God expects him, this master right here, expects him to do something with it. So he leaves him his possessions, he goes off and he expects him, this servant, with only one talent, but he expects him to make a profit. He expects an investment in return, right? But this master does nothing with it. I mean, this servant. The master gives him that one talent, the master goes off, and the servant, as soon as he gets the talent, what he does, look what the Bible says. He dug a hole in the ground and he hid it. In other words, he didn't utilize at all the ability, the talent, the gift, the assets that this master gave. But you know what? This is exactly what the rest of the world does, right? You see, God gives us a talent. Some more than others, right? And He expects us to use that talent. Not to be like the rest of the world. Because the rest of the world is dark. The rest of the world is evil. The rest of the world is wicked. The rest of the world lives for flesh, lives for self. They don't live for the Spirit, right? Why? There's one or two reasons. Maybe they say they're Christians. Maybe they lukewarm Christians. Maybe it's because they're lazy. Or maybe it's because they're just disobedient to God. Maybe it's because they don't believe in God, right? Maybe it's just hatred towards the Master. So we see that this third servant, although he has one talent, the master expects him to double that, but he doesn't. He doesn't do anything with it because he digs it in a hole, he buries it, and he leaves it. He doesn't use what the master gave him. And this is how the majority of the world operates. They're blinded by truth, right? Because either they... They disobey God and they don't want to know God. They don't want to have a relationship with His Son, Jesus. Or they simply lukewarm Christians. Or they simply just lazy, right? And we're going to find out this man thinks he plays it safe. But we're going to find out that he's, he's totally wrong. Because if you don't invest and if you don't use the talents and gifts that our Master gave us to better His kingdom then that is not pleasing to our master at all, as you're going to find out in a minute or so. Verse 19. After a long time, the master, he came back. And he goes to those servants. And he wants to settle the accounts with them. So we see now that this master, he leaves on his trip for a while, but he comes back. And he wants to collect his money. Now, we know that the master here, he goes away. And he expects them to put that money to work so he can make a profit, so he can be successful, right? And he comes back, and we know that the first one, he gave five talents to, double the money. He has ten. The second he gave two, double the money. Now he has four. But this third one right here, what he does, doesn't do anything with it. He hides it in the ground. He buries it in the ground, right? So we see now that the master's back in town. He's back home. And now he wants to collect from these servants, right? He wants to know what each one of these servants did with the talent 
that he gave them. In other words, he wants to know what type of managers they are. In other words, are they successful? Are they hardworking, right? In other words, what did they do with what he entrusted them with? In other words, how much, if any, did they invest in the kingdom of God? And if they did, how they managed it? That's what he wants to know. Verse 20. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. His master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I gained five more. So he gives an account to the master and he tells the master that he profited and he doubled than what was first given to him. And look what his master replied in verse 21. These are the words that we all want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your, ha your master's happiness. There's a lot going on in that text, in that scripture, in that text. Look what he says. Well done. What does that mean, well done? It means it's a word for good. It's the same word that the gospel relates to. It's good news, right? So he says, well done, good and faithful servant. So he's pleased, right? Look what he says. You have been faithful with a few things. So he's telling them. I gave you a few assets. I gave you, uh, you know, few of my possessions based upon your ability, based upon your talent, based upon the gifts that you have, right? And he says, you doubled it. So that's pleasing. You did a great job. I was giving you a few things, a few of my assets and talents, and look what you did. You took what I gave you, that little I gave you. Although you had five compared to the other two who had two and one, but you still didn't have all that I that I, I, should, I, I have. But I, I gave you a little bit. And you took that little bit that I have and you doubled it. Right? In other words, you were successful. You were profitable. Right? He used the talents in order to what? Double his money. And the master says, I gave you little, but you made much with what I gave you. So because of that, he says, I will put you in charge of many things. Now, what is he talking about here? He's talking about the reign of the millennial age. See, we know from the book of Revelation that when Jesus comes back at the second coming, right, he's going to land on the Mount of Olives and that, olive, that, mount, that mountain of olives is going to split and there's going to be a valley that forms, right? And that mountain moves, and when that valley forms, that ushers in the eternal kingdom of God. And we know when he's coming back, he's not coming back to save. We said that several times. He's coming back to judge. He's not coming back. He came back the first time. He came the first time. He was born the first time to save people. But when he comes back at the second coming, it's to condemn. It's to judge. It's to save that remnant, that one-third of the Jewish nation, to usher them in into the millennial kingdom. But you see, if you're a believer, right? Because the Bible says it's through faith by the grace of God that you shall be saved. Not by works, right? But by faith. How strong is your faith? Now here, he, he, he's using works to better the kingdom. But I want you to understand that works does not save a person. See, when you have an intimate relationship with Jesus, right? 
You allow that spirit to lead you and guide you. You pray. You read the Bible, right? You open up your heart to Christ, to the Spirit. When you do that, then you take on the character of Jesus, the Bible says. That's our job as a disciple. And when you take on the character of Jesus, and you have an intimate relationship with Jesus, and you talk to Him every day, and you pray to Him every day, you repent to Him every day, because that's what Jesus wants is a repenting heart from people. You accept it into His kingdom. Because you believe that he is the Messiah. And on the third day he rose again. And right now he is seated at the right hand of the Father, right? And because of that, you're going to want to take on his character. And taking on his character means that I'm going to do good works. Because that comes along after you become born again. After you become saved. And, and because of that, because he gives you very little here on earth. And he expects you to double it. He expects you to be profitable. When you do that, he will put you in charge in the millennial reign. In other words, he will put you in charge of certain things in that millennial age of a thousand years. Because we're going to reign and rule with King Messiah on this earth. That's what the Bible teaches. Amen. Look what he says. He says, come and share your master's happiness. Now, some of your Bibles might say, enter unto your Lord, right? This is great news to us, right? You see, when we are committed to the things of God, and our life reflects this, in other words, how we live, how we treat people, what we do, right? We will enter the kingdom of God, and it will be a great place of joy, right? He's going to share with us not just his blessings, not just the fulfillment of his promises, not just being in the kingdom of God, but, but we will be a recipient to the Great joy of the Lord. And this is a wonderful hope that we have, right? If we're good managers of what God has entrusted to us. Verse 22. The man with two bags of gold also came and he said, Master, you've entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. So he says the same thing as the other master, as the other servant to the master, right? You gave me this and I doubled the money. In this case, it's two and I doubled the money. And look what the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So we see the same response. He gives this servant the same response as he gave the one with five talents. Right? Which should tell us something here. That we, when we are in the family of God, we should not compare what we have to somebody else, right? Well, why so-and-so has this, and why I don't have that, right? Because God gave that to them, and God says, that's not good for you. I gave you what I'm entrusting you with, right? There shouldn't be no animosity. There shouldn't be jealousy. There shouldn't be resentment. You shouldn't question why this person has that. You know, the more you have, the more responsibility you have to Christ. I don't know if that makes sense to you, right? But if you're blessed with business and tons of money, then Jesus expects you to use that money to the betterment of his kingdom. Sow into a church, sow into a congregation, sow into a Bible study group, sow into a ministry, sow into something where you are helping enlarge the kingdom of heaven. 
But you see, if you take that money that he gave you and you're selfish with it, and you don't use it except for yourself, and you don't use it for material things, and I'm, there's nothing wrong with material things. There's nothing wrong with, with sharing what that what belongs to you if you want certain things, and if you have the money, that's great. I'm not saying this it's wrong, because it's not. But God expects you to take some of that money and to invest it into the kingdom of heaven. Now, some of you might not have money. It might be possessions. It might be other things, right? But he expects whatever you have. And you need to take that and, and, and to shape it in a way where, where you're going to, it, it attracts people to you, but you need to get them to understand about Jesus and the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, right? So this man right here that has two goes to him and says the same thing as the one that had five. Notice in this story, this man that has two never complains. He has two and the other one has five. He just takes what God gave him and he puts it to work and he makes a profit. He doubles it. Just like the one that has five. And look what God said. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what the master said here. And that's what Jesus is going to tell us if we sow into the kingdom of heaven with what he's given us, right? So we see here, the first two are the same. They both invested. They both doubled the money. They both received the same response from the master. But notice in verse 24 what happens with this third servant, right? That didn't invest. That took that money and hid. Verse 24 says this. Then the man who had received only one bag of gold came. And he said, Master, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you don't, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So we can say that this man here, this third servant, he's a status quo. We can say it's like the status quo, right? In other words, he didn't do anything in the beginning. So nothing changed in the beginning. In other words, what was, it is, and it will always be. There's no change with him. It, he didn't affect things one bit. And we see that this outlines a great, great problem. And that problem is this. When our faith doesn't bring any change, see, us being a believer, right? We might be part of a situation, part of a family, part of a business, part of a community, part of a congregation, a company, right? And because we're a believer, that light should shine in us. Wherever we are. In other words, our faith and our presence at that particular place, in your family, right? In your church, in your congregation, at work, wherever, wherever you're at, that light in you, which is the Holy Spirit, that beacon of light should be shining out so brightly, right? That you are making a change to the people around you for the betterment of the kingdom of heaven. That they know that you are a disciple of Jesus. When people see you, they, 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 they know that Jesus lives inside of you by how you act, by how you treat people, by what you say, by having positive words, by being encouraging. By, but, you know, that's what we should be doing. Because if you're not, then you're just like the rest of the world. Because then you're no different than the world does. Because the world does nothing. And this man right here, he didn't sow into the kingdom of God. He didn't sow into what, what the master gave him. He did nothing with him. So he did just like everybody else in the world. See, when we believe in this way, God's not pleased. Why do I say that? Let's read on and find out. Master, he said, 
I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed, right? Now, he calls him master here. But does he really believe that he's master, right? I mean, if he thinks he's master, then he wouldn't be disobedient to the master. In other words, what the master gave him, he would take that and he would invest in it. He would make a profit, right? He would have success, right? See, the master saw something in him. The master believed in him, right? He's he seen great things that he could do. So, you know, great things that, that, that he allowed him to, he gave him his possessions. And that's what God does to us. See, the things that we own is not really ours, it's God. We just caretakers. We're not the owner. And what are you doing with what he gave you? Or are you like the first man? Tons of talent and gifts. And you're putting that to work. You're doubling it. You're making a profit that's double and triple than what it was before. Or you like the second man. Maybe you don't have that much talent. But whatever he gave you, you're still using and you're still going to double and triple, quadruple, right? For the kingdom of heaven. Or you like this man right here. That just takes it and does nothing with it. Because when you do nothing with it, then you fall in just like the rest of the world. Because the rest of the world doesn't do anything to better the kingdom of heaven. Verse 25. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground, he says. So he dug it up and then he tells him, see here, this is what belongs to you. So he says, I was afraid. Now the question is this, was he really afraid, right? See, in the story, the third servant, he says, I know you. He says, I know you're a harsh person, right? You're difficult and that you're accustomed to reaping where you didn't sow and gathering things that you didn't scatter, right? In other words, he's telling this master, I know you want profit. I know that you want success, right? I know that you are hard. But does he really know that? I, I am afraid. Well, if he's afraid, if he knows he's hard, if he knows that he needs a profit and he demands a profit, he demands success, well, why he didn't invest in what the master gave him, right? He says all this, but he does nothing with it because look, he went and he hid it in the ground. Now, by doing this, what type of profit does this bring? He brings no profit, right? In other words, it's this man doing things that pleases our master, that pleases this Lord in here. No, it's not, right? So he says, I'll go dig it up. And he goes back to the master and he says, here, this is what belongs to you. In other words, he's saying, here's the money you gave me. I dug it up, right? See, I didn't lose anything, right? But did this meet the expectations of the master? No, it didn't. The master is very, very unpleased. Why do I say that? Look at verse 26. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So the master calls him wicked. The master calls him evil, lazy, right? He says, So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So the master says, if you know me, then you know that I always make profit. You know that I always have success, right? And again, Jesus wants you to have profit and have success, not for your own good, to do what? 
to glorify Him. To give all praise and honor to Him. Right? You see, when you have success in life, it might be at your job, right? It might be overseeing something. Right? It, it, it might be, uh, like in this case, this Bible study group, right? That's very successful. It's not successful because of me. I'm an instrument of God. God's given me a gift and a talent, and I take that gift and a talent and I put it to use. And hopefully it makes a profit. Hopefully we're leading people, we're encouraging people, we're leading people into the kingdom, telling them a little bit about the kingdom of heaven. But it's not me doing it. It's the Holy Spirit that's working through me that's doing it. So all praise and honor and glory goes to who? Goes to the Father. It goes to Yeshua. Because the Holy Spirit is working through me. Through the truth of God. To better His kingdom, right? You see, this last man was only thinking of himself. He was playing it safe, in other words, right? And he was judged here for his self-centeredness, right? See, we must not make excuses to avoid what God has called us to do. See, if God is truly our master, if he's truly our Lord, then we must be willing to obey him, right? Our time, our abilities, our money, right? It's really not ours to begin with. Like I said earlier, we're just caretakers, right? We're not the owners of it, right? See, when we ignore, when we squander, or we're abused, right? What we are given. We're rebellious, right? We're disobedient. When we don't do what God says, what the Spirit says, we don't allow the Spirit to lead us, right? Then we deserve punishment. We really do. Because you were put on this earth to fellowship with God. That's why God made man. That's why God made Adam. Then later on, he took a rib from Adam, put Adam to sleep, took a rib from Adam, and made what? Woman. Right? That's why God made male and female. To fellowship with him, right? What are you doing today to better the kingdom of heaven? Is my question to you. Could you do more to better the kingdom of heaven? Could you do more to have an intimate relationship with Jesus, Yeshua? He is our Lord, the Lord. He is our King of Kings. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, right? He's our Lord and Savior, right? We should want to please Him. We should want to profit for Him. We should want to be successful for Him. Amen? Verse 27. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. So what he's saying here is this. You didn't even do this. Either you was lazy or easy or, or either you was just disobedient that you hated me. Because at least if you'd have put it somewhere where it made interest, I'd have had a profit. That's what he's saying. But yet, you couldn't even do that, he says, right? You're not even accustomed to doing it. You're not a good manager to even do this. We see here that God is not pleased when we don't use the abilities, the gifts, and the talents that he gives us to better the kingdom of heaven. Verse 28. So look what he says. So take the bag from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Now this verse right here gives us a correct understanding of how Jesus operates, right? See, we all going to go before Jesus, right? 
And we go before Jesus, we need to understand how he operates. See, because all of us is going to be judged. The Bible says all of us will be resurrected. Not only the church going to heaven, but the dead that's going to go to hell will also be resurrected on the last day. Right? So either you're going to go in front of the Bema seat of judgment, where God's going to give you rewards, but you still got to answer to him. And whatever good deed you did on this earth, he's going to give you a crown. A reward. And you're going to take that crown and reward. And you're going to place it back at the throne of God at the feet of Yeshua. Right? Why? Because all glory and honor goes to Him. Right? So when the Bible talks about when you get to heaven, He's going to wipe away all your tears. A lot of people don't understand what that scripture means. But what it means is just what I'm explaining now. See, God's going to replay to you your whole life. See, God created you in your mother's womb. He knew you from the very beginning. He created you in His own image. And He expects you to do wonderful things because He gives you gifts, talents, and abilities. But when you don't use that, you got to answer for that. And when you go in front of Him, He's going to play out your whole life for you. And He's going to ask you, I gave you this, why you didn't do that? And what are you going to say? What's going to be your excuse? Because that's what it is. It's an excuse. Right? See, you didn't know him. So at the end, if you don't know him, he's going to say, depart from me, you wicked and evil. You never knew me. I don't know you. Now, that's hard for us to understand that. You mean Jesus is like that? Jesus does that? Yes. Jesus came the first time to save i'm gonna say it again but when he comes back the second time he's not coming to save your chance to be saved is right now your opportunity come to the lord open up your heart invite him into your heart let the spirit lead you and guide you is right now because nobody knows when your time is up and if you're not right with god right if you don't take those gifts and those talents and those abilities right and use them right now, people can be saved and not get any rewards. I want you to understand that, right? Imagine the most evil and wicked person you know right now. But on their deathbed, they fall sick. And on their deathbed, they start thinking of death. And they start fearing death. And when you fear death, it's a good thing. Because you're fearing the Lord. Because the Bible says 365 times, do not be afraid, fear not. Fear only who? God himself. Fear the Lord. When you fear the Lord, you're going to be obedient to the Lord. Because you are afraid of the Lord and what might happen. So you're going to want to be pleasing to the Lord. You're going to live for the Lord, right? And those people, they fall sick at the end. And they want to know Christ. They want to invite Jesus into their heart. And the Bible says that you, you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is the Messiah. That you are saved. But this whole life, they didn't do no good works. Well, they might be in the, in the eternal kingdom of heaven. That's between them and God, right? I'm not a judge, right? And I don't judge people. I want you all to understand that, right? My job as anointed by the Spirit to teach the Word of God, to preach the Word of God, is to call out evil and to call out good. Because we in a battle here on earth, good versus evil. 
I want y'all to understand that. It's not that person that says something to you or that posts something on Facebook or on Twitter or Instagram or social media, right? That's the devil working in that person that does that, right? I'm by no means a judge. But when something is evil and wrong, I'm going to call it out. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. We know recently, this last week, right? The Supreme Court ruled out Roe versus Wade. They reversed it, right? That doesn't get rid of abortion. It just goes back to the states. That's where a lot of the world, they see it wrong, right? They don't. They really don't, don't, don't know. They just know that they didn't get what they wanted and they self-centered and they selfish and that's just how it is. They're going to cry and they're going to pout, right? Well, I'm just calling it like it is. I'm not trying to be ugly to anybody. I'm not. But that's what's going on in the world. See, if you're a believer in Christ, the Bible says this, that if you are born again Christian, that you allow the Holy Spirit to rule your life. That you will live for the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you. Am I correct? I'm correct on that. I believe I am. My Bible teaches that, right? But there's also there's two battles, I told you. There's the Spirit and there's the flesh, right? And I believe this, that if you say you are born again, a born again Christian, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to rule your life. Now, this Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit, right? In other words, God, what God gave Moses, the commandments. And the commandments that he gave Moses, in one of them it says, Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not kill. And a person that has an abortion is killing a human being. It's just that simple, right? You can, you, you can say whatever you want to say, and you can come to the defense however you want to come, but... You killing an innocent baby. That's a human being. That's not the spirit. Because there's no way. Not, not My Bible doesn't say God allows babies to be killed. Actually, it says just the opposite. Because you see in the Old Testament, the God of Molech, right? Molech. What they did. They worshiped Molech and what they did. They crucified babies. They put babies to death in the Old Testament. And what happened? What did God do? God laid destruction on those people that did that. Why? Because it's innocent babies. It's innocent children. So when somebody says, I'm a true Christian, but yet you support abortion, then you're really a half-hearted Christian. Right? In other words, you, you're a lukewarm Christian. Hallelujah. I'm going to call it like it is. Amen. Right? I'm not judging anybody. I'm calling what is evil is evil and what's good is good. Just how it is. You can't say I'm a true Christian but yet support abortion. I'm sorry. There's no way the Holy Spirit will allow you to kill an innocent child. But the, 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 the argument that they're given is, well, you know, what about the rights of the woman, right? What, what? See, they're letting emotions get in the way. What controls emotions? The spirit of the flesh. I'm going to tell you what does. It's the flesh. So now you're being ruled by the flesh. That's the answer right there. You're not being ruled by the Spirit. You're allowing your emotions to get in the way of what the truth of God says. Amen? So, so when some people say, man, you judging people. I'm not judging nobody. I've never judged anybody because that's not my job to judge. There's only one judge, and that's Jesus Christ, Yeshua. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He's the judge. But if you're anointed by the Spirit, you're going to call out evil when you see it. See? And the problem is this. The flesh doesn't like truth. If you're following the flesh, you don't like the truth. And when somebody calls you out on the truth, you become defensive. You become on attack mode, right? Because the truth hurts. The truth stings. See, if I'm telling you this right now, and you're kind of upset by what I'm saying, you're letting your emotions get in the way. If the truth is stinging you right now, then you need to look at your life and you need to change maybe something in your life because that's the Spirit telling you you need to change. But you know what some of you are going to do? Some of you are going to get mad and turn this off and never listen to it again. And that's fine. Then you continue to be lost. I'm just saying like it is. Or you can be open to the Spirit. And you can change how God wants you to change by allowing the Spirit to rule your life and not the flesh. Because when you allow the flesh to rule your life, what does the Bible say? What did Jesus say, right? You come from the Father, the devil. Who's the father of this earth? Satan is. Jesus said that, not me. Satan is. Why? Because he controls your flesh. And when you get into to emotions and feelings, that's not the Spirit, people. You are now in the flesh and you're letting the flesh dictate your life. Hallelujah. Amen. But you need to be letting the Spirit rule your life. See, they didn't hate Jesus, right? For Him being Jesus. You know why they hated Jesus and why they killed Jesus? Because they hated the truth. Because He spoke truth. And they didn't like the truth. And that's how this world is today. It's a dark and evil world. So when somebody speaks truth, what does the flesh do? They counterattack and they come back and attack you. Right? Now once that's done, it's done. Now they want to argue. Now I'm not arguing. I'm just making a point. I'm calling out evil like it is. So don't come to me and say, I'm a true believer in Christ. I give my life to Christ. But yet, you support abortion. That doesn't work like that. I'm sorry. The Holy Spirit will never, never be on the side of murdering innocent babies. Amen? Look at verse 29. So what this does, let's go back to 28. So he takes that bag of gold, he gives it, he says, gifted to the one that has ten, right? In other words, this shows us how Jesus operates. Why do I say that? Look at verse 29. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Now this may surprise a lot of you right here, right? This may not be your understanding of God, right? Here is one that has ten talents. But he's going to take away that one talent from this servant and he's going to give it to the servant that has ten. Right? And what will he do to the one that's not profitable? Right? We need to pay attention to this. This, this right here should speak to us very, very clearly. Right? 
This is the conclusion that that should produce a change, right, in our lives and how people think. That we need to live in a way that is a demonstration of our skill of being a good manager. Wanting to produce things for kingdom purposes, right? Again, that is our goal here on earth. It's, it's to enlarge the kingdom of God, right? And my question again is, what are you doing with what he's entrusted with you? Are you doubling? Are you profiting? Or are you doing just like this third servant? You're not doing nothing with it. You like the rest of the world, right? Because if you like the rest of the world and you like this servant, this third servant that just buried it, he let it sit idle. He didn't make a profit. He wasn't successful. Look what he tells him. Then throw that worthless and servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Now we see frequently Jesus speaks about two destinations, two possibilities, right? And we can't cast this aside whatsoever, right? In other words, we need to pay great attention to this. Jesus speaks of two destinations. He says right here, either going to have joy in the kingdom of God. That's your first destination. That's where we all want to reach. That's where we hope to reach, right? So wonderful news to all believers, right? How do you do that? By believing in your heart, professing with your mouth, confessing your sins, repenting, having an intimate relationship with Jesus, right? What comes first? Accepting Jesus into your heart. And after you accept Jesus into your heart, then you want to repent. Then you're going to want to be closer to God. And you're going to start talking to Him every day. You're going to open up your Bible and start reading. You're going to get in a Bible-based study group, right? You're going to be in a church that's involved in the, in the Bible that teaches the truth of God. Then you're going to start doing good works to God. Now, works, again, doesn't save you. But it's by the grace of God through faith that you shall be saved, right? But you start doing good works as you take it on the character of Jesus, right? But then there's a second place that we can go and that's where this servant that didn't do anything that wasn't faithful didn't do good works in other words just like the, the world is he says cast them out into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth now this right here should grab our attention immediately right now there's two types of people here right they're going to hear this and they're going to read this and the first group is going to say, ha, I don't believe that, man. That's, that's not the God. That's the God of the Old Testament you're talking about. That's not the God of the New Testament. Nope. The God of the Old Testament is the same God as the God of the New Testament. He doesn't change. God is the same yesterday. He's the same today. And He's going to be the same tomorrow. And He's going to be the same forever. Right? That's what the Bible teaches. So the God of the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament. Nothing's changed with that, right? Might be some people that's just atheists. They don't believe. They just laugh at this and they scoff at this, right? And they make fun of people that teach this, right? But you see, there's also, there's also going to be people that look at this and take this very seriously. They're going to look at this and they're going to say, you know what? 
I'm not doing enough. God wants me to be doing more. God wants me to be a better disciple. He wants me to be a better servant, right? I need to be more obedient to God, right? In other words, they're going to take this very, very seriously, right? You see, you're going to go either one or two places. We all going to go in front of Jesus, either at the Bema seat or we're going to be there at the white throne judgment, right? We're going to meet our maker face to face, right? There's only two destinations for us. There's either joy in the kingdom of heaven or there's the weeping and gnashing of teeth that you're going to be thrown in outer darkness, which is what? Hell, which is the lake of fire. See, Jesus gives us only two choices. Which path are you on? Are you on that path that's broad, right? That has an open gate. And the Bible says that road leads to destruction. Or are you that servant, like the first servant in here, that was given five talents and doubled the profit? Maybe like the second servant. Maybe he don't have that much ability and talent, but he used what God gave him and he doubled. He made profit again for our master. What road are you on? Amen? And that ends our Bible lesson for today. We'll be back next week. And God willing, we're going to finish off in the book of Matthew, chapter 25. Until next week, we appreciate all you listening in, tuning in. Be a blessing for someone this week. Be that light in the dark world. We appreciate you all listening in. We love you guys. God bless.